Hello everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon and with me I have Woody. Woody, we are back for the second time in like two days, but this time it's for the actual, you know, Reign Supreme Podcast, the Nightclub Podcast, episode 38. <laughs> Mate, don't shake the minis. The minis are good. I love them. Although the mini that, that we released on Tuesday wasn't that mini, really. It was like, what, 30 minutes? So it wasn't that small. Yeah. Um, but Definitely yeah, back- pushing it. Back for a massive episode 38, and what a massive episode we've got. We have got Big Johnny Iredale, the young Wolfsburg Australian striker, absolute legend from hailing from Sydney, coming on as a guest, and Damo, he's our first pro athlete. I'm freaking buzzing right now. Mate, he's the next big thing, and and you know, like we don't want to put too much pressure on the young lad here at the nightclub, but it's safe to say that in years to come, when he looks back at what he's achieved in the game, he'll remember the Premier League nightclub. I can guarantee it. Oh, it literally would not matter if he went on to play for Real Madrid, Barca, Man United, City. He would always remember coming on the Premier League nightclub as his number one footballing... Achieve- <laughs> footballing. Achievement. <laughs> achievement. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. All right. But Woody, we've also got a few other things on the agenda. I know obviously people are bored. We're a bit bored and that's why we're releasing the podcast. But the players have been a little bit bored during their time off as well. We're going to have it whipping into an on or off side, which we haven't done in quite a while. But there are a few mm. things worth mentioning. And then, believe it or not, there will be a Demos Dollars. What? How? Just you wait and see. Now, for my people, I know... Well, the last Demos Dollars we did actually didn't have a chance of coming off because they didn't play the game. So that multi still stands. If anyone put that on, you make sure they haven't given you, taken your money away because that's going to come off, whether it be you know in a few months and, or next year. It will come off. Don't you worry about that. But hey, There's no chance Demo Dollars is getting anywhere. And I'm keen to see what you've done with this one because I reckon it's a bit of drab. Bit of drab. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. It's going to be very good. But... So yeah, Woody, just staring back into the what the players have been up to, you know, we've they've been absolutely pumping the TikToks. I saw a tweet this week saying, um, can we all go back to normal so that I have can watch my, you know, idols play football and not dance on TikTok and I couldn't relate to it anymore. <laughs> uh, and what caught my eye was there's been a bunch of these players learning new skills. Okay, and and it got me thinking, Woody, what have you been up to? During your isolation. I haven't even asked you off mic or on mic. Yeah, you're, you're not my mate, are you, mate? You, you, you're, you're a shit bloke in general. You, you claim your best mates with Cesc Fabregas and you just leave me oh, dry. not this again. Until we hop on the podcast. Anyway, anyway, I, isolation is, is treating me, don't know if it's treating me well, but it's treating me pretty boring. Um, I've been playing plenty of FIFA. Where, Damon, we're back on the pro club scene, which is pretty big for us. Um, but in terms of learning new skills, I guess um, trying to learn how to do yoga. I'm doing yoga at the moment, which is really interesting. And Are you serious? I'm not. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I've copped a few free trials off these apps, and I've tried to do yoga, and I'm not going to lie, my glutes are, are burning. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I thought my forearm was the only muscle that was going to get work during the isolation, but turns out <laughs> the full body with yoga. Uh, and I'm also learning how to uh, video, um, edit videos as well. So Apple just released um, a few trials of their professional video editing programs. Um, no no doubt you would have seen the John Iredale video that we released on Instagram earlier this week. So um, that is coming of my new skill. Damon, what about you? Got any new hobbies or anything? Well, I must say I was very impressed with the video. You sent me a few uh, you know, work in progress updates and I was impressed and impressed and even more impressed by the end of it. So well done, Woody. Uh, it, got some, it got some good likes on it as well, which I know you were pretty happy about. But yeah. yeah there, battle likes. <laughs> there was. Um, well, in terms of what I've learned, I guess um, not much to be honest with you woody uh i've been smashing out some assassin's creed which i know you know you've been you know you've seen on the xbox live uh the old tab where you can see what all your mates are doing i've been online way too much so but anyone any listeners who play a lot of xbox you'll be sure to understand bit of online poker i must admit poker is mm. nowhere near as enjoyable online when it, as it is in person in person you get a bit of banter just those the chips in your hand it, it, it's a lot more fun but still a bit of online poker um, I've actually I've actually been looking into starting up a website for the pod, so there's cool. a little there's a little something for for our listeners. I have been trying I've I've been trying to figure out the best way to do it. We we've got so many plans, Woody, that I'm trying to sort of incorporate all the tabs to accommodate all the plans we have. But you know, mm. obviously, some plans don't always eventuate, so it's a bit hard to decide how we're going to do it and. You know, if you've got to set it up a certain way, you've got to commit to certain things. So that's still up in the air, and that's probably a little bit of a while away before that gets released. But of course, when it does, I'll uh, well, we'll be make sure to pump in that all over the socials and have a look at our website once it's out. But Mate, yeah, w- to all the listeners, you bloody well watch out for when Damo releases the website because it's going to be big. <laughs> Mate, Damo's dollars is going to get have its own own <laughs> section of the website. Are you getting your own betting company? I swear. Well, whenever whenever we get caught up, I mean, they're not doing too well at the moment, considering there's no sport on. But when they can afford to, you know, flirt some money around, I'll be waiting. I'll be there to crumb. Oof. Don't you worry. Oofed. Oofed. So, Damo, quickly, if you were to set up a betting company, so Damo's dollars betting company, it eventuates. It gets there. It gets off the ground. Has wheels. Who yeah. is going to be the face of Damo's dollars? Well, what do you mean? As in, like a professional. Like professional- Oh, every every professional, like every betting company has a face, a professional face. Okay, yeah, I like get what you're saying. A player that endorses the the product. Who is your one? Jeez, Damos Dollars becomes a betting company. All right, well, it still would be me, like sort of like Tom Waterhouse. You know what I mean? Before he he uh he went down the drain. Uh, so that's my answer. Yeah, like Paddy Power. I don't know who Paddy is, but he must be a rich guy. Anyway, speaking of rich guys, <laughs> yeah. some oh, someone heads. over the weekend. Didn't listen to their own advice, Woody, and, and it comes back to what players have been doing mm. in their spare time, and some of them aren't dealing with it as well as others. So I reckon we just get straight into Woody's whip. Damo, mate, shit has made my blood boil when I saw this uh, whole scandal, not scandal, but this whole issue unfold. It's my boy Jack Grealish, and I couldn't be more disappointed. The only person I'd be more disappointed for this to happen to would be like, you know, Johnny Lundstrom or something. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it's it's Jack Grealish, the man that we fell in love with his calves, his beautiful bread bun calves. Anyway, 
During this week, he was caught red-handed after a car accident and clearly off his bonkers on the side of the road, right? The dickhead's gone and crashed his rangey into into two other parked cars, caused significant damage, which he's going to have to fork out. He was so hammered in the picture taken of him that he's wearing mismatching slippers. <laughs> Seriously, mate, not even my blind 80-year-old grandma does that sort of shit. She knows which shoes <laughs> to wear. What's more, apparently he's been partying all night with bloody Tony Capaldi, of all people, during England's lockout laws. Mate, Tony Capaldi is a non-EPL player. He's a league player. He's 38. Absolute has-been. Hasn't got his name to link link to some of the biggest clubs in England for a summer transfer. And honestly now, why the f*** would Manchester United or any other big boy go spend 70, 60, 80 mil on him if he's doing the streets doing this shit? He's supposed to be a leader and a captain of, captain of a Premier League club. And he's doing this shit? Come on. He's just trash from Jack Grealish. I can't believe he's gone and done it. And then what's more, he's, he's made himself get caught as well. What's more disappointing is that a few days ago, he was on Twitter preaching to his 300,000 followers that they should be staying home and being safe because of the coronavirus issue, right? Then he goes and blows it all up in his face by doing this. If you're spending 80 mil on someone who's supposed to be a captain material, do you really want them breaking laws like this like it's nothing and like it's an everyday activity? Bloody hell no, especially considering this isn't even his first negative spotlight. He's been caught so many times, not so many times, but two or three instances where he's just been caught red-handed doing just careless stuff that brings his whole career into jeopardy and his reputation as well. Huge red flags, and I support him all season here, but... Huge red flags for anyone that wants to go and fork out something from the checkbook to buy him. I seriously hope it proves him wrong. And the $100,000 quid fine that, that the Villa board handed down to him is is seriously light on, in my opinion. And, oh, jeez, it just boils my blood, Damo, because I'm, I don't want to see players like this. He's 24. He's 24. He has so much to gain. And I feel as if he's just put himself so far back. I'm out. Jesus Christ. I don't... Oh, it's... Woody's whip must or Woody's say, frustration, far out, red flags everywhere. I must Ugh. say, halfway through that whip, I had to double check that he only had 300,000 followers on Twitter. Mate, for a person of his stature, the amount people talk about him and look up to him, he needs to have more followers on social media than that. But I know that's not the point of your whip. I, I would completely agree with you there, Woody, though. The staying inside is the biggest thing for me. I know drink driving is obviously a horrific criminal offense, but... I think just the uh, hypocritical nature of posting a video saying everybody stay inside and save lives, and then you go and do that. It's just incredibly, incredibly immature and something that is going to put a lot of clubs off, as you said, Woody. So, yeah, it's an interesting time to check It's just shame from his, his video that he released as well on both Twitter and Insta, saying apologies. Mate, I understand, like... Just the absolute shame that he has to be in the in the situation to come out and put that out, you know, just to release an apology video. It just shows, like, mate, pull your head in. Come on, you're supposed to be a captain of a Premier League club. What goes through captain. your mind? What goes through your mind? Uh, it's, it's he's nuts. supposed to be getting calls up to England for next year, right? And he should have been in the squad this year. He'll be 25 next year. Right, any potentially big money move? Why would you jeopardize everything for shit like this? Like, why? I just don't understand. I have no clue. No clue. It's um, it's going to be a story of the of the off season during this virus. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Woody, speaking of stories, we've got a few things that we wanted to discuss and have our 
opinions on. So let's get stuck into on or off side. All right, yeah, Woody, we haven't had this one for a while, but I will kick it off with asking you a question. Something Mm. that actually I think may be referring to something that happened not in the past week, but a week earlier, which we forgot to mention last week. But Mike Ashley is the biggest legend in the Premier League, on or offside. (laughs) Mate, it's hard to disagree with that one because he's he's a big legend. Everyone loves him, Mike. I can't (laughs) see a person that's more loved than Mike Ashley in the Premier League. Steve Wraith loved him. Of course, I'm joking all of this. Absolute offside. Mike Ashley is a dirtbag. He is a dirtbag. And you know what, mate? Come sue me if you don't like what I'm saying to you. Newcastle became the first Premier League club to put um, staff on furlough, which furlough being um, just uh, being laid off. Um, You know, with the Saudi Arabian takeover talks revived, he's gone and laid off all first-team staff, to be exact. And bloody coincidence, Damo. He's gone and kept Sports Direct open. Isn't that isn't that just a complete, you know, juxtaposition on what he's doing? It's it's not a good look at all. Not a good look at all. And what's even worse is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he's increased the prices on things like gym equipment, which people are now wanting to buy for their home gyms. I think he's almost increased things by thirty to forty percent at times. So, real real ordinary actions from an ordinary bloke. Mate, he's got no heart. That guy, no heart whatsoever and to be profiteering off something like this oh it's just disgusting absolutely disgusting he's he's a horrible bloke and he deserves to be kicked out of the Premier League I hope the Saudis buy him out I really really do anyway Damo I'll move on to my question because I've gone double whammy there my blood is boiling Um, (laughs) need some positivity anyway mate honor offside UEFA should be ashamed about the specific decision made a couple of weeks ago regarding the Liverpool Atletico Madrid game. This one, probably at the time, not many people realized what ramifications it would have. Spain right now are definitely in the top five countries affected by the COVID-19 virus. And two weeks ago, they let 2,500 Spaniards into the country and more specifically into Anfield to watch the game between Atletico and Liverpool. Now, Of course, that's 2,500 in the stadium. Woody and I both know that clearly there are more and more Spaniards that travel over just for the build-up of the game. It's a a common thing that Europeans do. So let's just say there's 3,000 minimum. 3,000 Spaniards head over to, to the UK. Within days, there's a mass spread. And now look at what it's come to. Their own Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, test positive. Now, I know that it might not have a direct relation to certain individuals getting it, such as Prince Charles as well. But it, how bad does it look now than what it did two weeks ago? They, although not copying a lot of criticism for it, at least you know in the media, they must be looking at that now and thinking, boy, we made a massive mistake. Would oh, you agree with that, Woody? You, UEFA have just absolutely taken a Boris Johnson on the competition, to be honest with you. They've, uh, <laughs> they're, they're sort of just disregarded everything. And I'm surprised they did it, but... Um, of course, it was early day. It was early enough days to sort of say, "Let's park this for now." Um, and I guess now it's sort of just they're just seeing the after effects. And, and, and like we say, Captain Hindsight's an old mate, and uh, Bummery wasn't here in this situation. For sure. Alrighty, Woody, one for you. Paul Pogba would be an absolute doddle to play against, on or offside. Uh, 
I'm gonna go to VAR for this one, but I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll go onside because if let Graham Sounder said this during the week that Paul Pogba would be a, a dude to play against, um, and that he would easily get into his head um, and, and and shake him during a game. And I'd say if Graham Sounders was playing, hundred percent he would get in his head. So complete onside for him. Um, probably in the in Liverpool's greatest ever eleven, um, if we're being real here. Um, and I'd say he probably proves a lot of teams right and a lot of pundits right and a lot of fans right as well. In that Pog was probably mentally weak in. Uh, some big games, and he does get rattled extremely quickly. Uh, I look instantly towards Man City versus Manchester United, where he did score a brace to to bring United back and win. But the amount of games that he's been caught out um, in big games against big six boys, and even even some mid-table teams where he's just been mentally rattled, I've sort of lost count, and I think so has the rest of the league as well. He just seems like he comes out, um, and you never know what to really expect from him, whether he's going to click or whether he's not going to click, whether he's going to do his own thing or where he's going to play as a team. So I think completely on side with what Graeme Sounders was saying, because if you get in his head, you, you're proven that you know he, he's going to fold one way or another. Sure. Damo, I'll uh, kick it off to you. On or offside, Aston Villa will not miss a penalty for the rest of the season for the long-term future. This one is an offside, but I do believe you're getting at the ex-Australian international and captain Mille Jednak joining Aston Villa as an assistant coach. Of course, during his career, he never missed a penalty and he scored three for Australia in World Cups. If it wasn't for him, Australia wouldn't have actually scored a goal uh, during their last World Cup campaign. Uh, But however... Although the art of penalty taking can be taught, it must be said, Millet's composure and mental strength during his career was just something else. It's a bit like, uh, you know, you see some other players these days probably not have that, you know, mental capacity to take big penalties, but Millet Yednak, you always thought he was going to score, and uh, he always did. So, yeah, uh, but aside from that, it's a great addition for Villa and a a great uh, image for Australian football. It's always good to have Australians involved in Premier League. Damon, sorry, I'm just going to cut you off there because speaking of Australian footballers, I know we've got one coming on soon, but obviously with everyone being down in isolation and a bit of a lockdown at the moment, we've seen plenty of... um, I guess, uh, sports providers, uh, likes of Optusport, likes of Fox Sports, um, providing the viewership with plenty of replays of Australian golden moments. And I just want to get from you, what would be, in our lifetime, your favorite soccer ruse moment? Mate, I tell you what, there's like, I feel like, especially in Australia, everyone can remember where they were and what they were doing during specific moments. Because, let's be honest, we don't have... A huge amount. It's probably really only been the last like 14 years where we've had heaps and heaps of memories. Or 20, I'd say. 20 years. Um, but I, the one I always watch on YouTube is is our actual intro. Timmy Cahill. He's, he's second one. Second goal against Japan. And, of course, just before Aloise, he scored the third. We won that one 3-1. And I can tell you, I was... Oh, it was 2006, which means I would have been nine years old. <laughs> And my parents made me go to bed before the game, before that all happened, Yeah. before that all happened. And I woke up to my dad running around the house. Like I'd never seen him before. Like he's pretty passionate about his sport, but I'd never seen him like that before. And so I woke up and I, I actually saw the, the, the Aloisi goal live, but I had to watch the, the Timmy Cahill goals on replay. But yeah, it's the <laughs> one I 
always, always remember just because it was probably that World Cup for our age group as well, Woody, was like the one that made us really, really understand the, you know, how massive uh, the round ball game is. But yeah, what, what oh, about you, sure. Woody? What, what one do you love? Oh, mate, <laughs> honestly, I reckon I've got too many to sort of recollect because, and like you said, you remember exactly where you were when you see these iconic moments. Um, first one, I'll probably have to go with uh, probably that Josh Kennedy goal um, versus Iraq that sent us to um, the World Cup. Oh, to Rio. Um, to yeah, Rio. it yep. was amazing. It was, oh, I just remember sitting there on the couch and my dad telling me how crap he thought um, Bresciano was. And then turns out Bresciano provided this perla of an assist, put Josh Kennedy on a platter to, to head her at home. And I just remember Foz in the background. Oh, what a goal! <laughs> <laughs> just going nuts as as the Foz does uh, when he commentates. But I, uh, mate, you can't, you cannot beat that Tim Cahill worldie um, versus the Netherlands in the World Cup in twenty. Oh, that's an unbelievable strike! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, that was the, yeah. The Foz went nuts on that one. Um, but oh, just I remember sitting there on the couch and just seeing the ball come in. The commentators were talking about something. Oh, yeah, because Robin had just scored. It was off kickoff pretty much. Yeah, and that Robin, I like... think it was in the 20, 20, 20th minute, I think Robin scored. And then th- that ball, f- absolute floater came into Tim Cahill at the top of the box. Um, it was like almost a full pitch, a half pitch pass. And then it just landed. I just remember the commentators talking it's about something whack. irrelevant. And then as soon as the ball started to drop to Kane, they were like, whoa. And then he just hit it. And it was, oh, it was just an unbelievable strike. <laughs> Mate, just nothing you, like, nothing you will ever forget. And you just remember sitting on the couch. You remember exactly where you were. Um, it was back in our old house, actually. So it brings back a bit of memes. But yeah, you just remember exactly where you were when you, when you have these sort of moments. Geez, it's special just to witness that live. Actually, special, special, special. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to Australia probably growing some new crop again because obviously that golden generation sort of twindled away now. And you know we're probably not the side we were uh, back in 2006 and 2010 and 14. But there are certain men that have uh, have the ability to change the fortune of Australian football and. <laughs> I believe, Woody, we are about to to get him on. So do you want to give him the introduction that he deserves? Oh, absolutely. I would love, and I feel so privileged to do this. We have got the big John Idell coming on. He's going to be our first guest on our Aussies Uncovered series where we bring our viewership the best young Aussie talent around the globe. And I tell you what, Damo, his goal-scoring record speaks for itself. Uh, So he's not in the Premier League yet, but one day we have no doubt he'll get there. He has been playing at Sydney, and then he moved to the Netherlands, and now he's at VFL Wolfsburg in Germany. He's the big man himself, John Iredale. We know he's going to be special, one of the best young Australian talents that burst onto the scene, and now he's currently in the Oli Roo squad, trying um, trying hard to get locked down a spot for that 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Here he is, John Iredale on the line. How are you going, mate? I'm pretty good. How are you? Yes. Yeah, not too bad. Um, <laughs> Feel, feels a bit weird being in isolation. Um, I think, like Damo said just just before off air, this is our first one, um, first podcast uh, doing it in isolation. So we're not actually together for the first time in in three and a half four months, um, which is a bit weird. So, but I guess we'll just take it how it goes. Well, I, I, first of all, I must say this 
this is our first time interviewing a, a proper, proper athlete. So I'm incredibly nervous. I'm just going to put it out there. So if I stumble my words more than usual, you know why. Um, John, I'd just like to open up by asking you, obviously, the whole world is going through something in common right now, and that's the uh, COVID-19 virus. As an athlete, like just straight off the bat, how has it changed your lifestyle in the past, or well, I'll say month, but could have been a couple of weeks, could have been even more? Uh, it, it's actually it's quite difficult because you you get in such a, a routine of training and and all this and then f- especially for me I'm coming back from a, a big injury now and I was at a point where I could I could play from this week on and with this um, with the COVID nineteen uh, situation that's happening through the world it's really unbelievable at the moment and it just I don't know it kind of I don't know how to describe it so much, but it it impacts you and it can get to some players mentally, I think, because there's a it's a big part of the season coming towards the end of the year and it's there's so much uncertainty around. Yeah. Everyone everyone can plan, you know, we're gonna come back and, and train in two weeks, but then you get to that two weeks time and it's the situation is still not improving. So really you just have to, to do as much as you can at home. Um to keep fit and to be ready when the season starts again. So what sort of stuff are you doing at home? Because obviously you have a, you would have a pretty serious regime um, when you're playing at, at the club and being there in person. Um, and obviously you've just come off a huge injury as well. So so what sort of stuff do you have to do at home? And do you get to the club at all? Is it like any isolation sort of pre- preparation or is it just all basically at home? I know for, for my team, we have a running program that we can do, um, not can do, that we we should, we must do. Um, <laughs> we also, uh, we also uh, do Skype uh, power trainings online. So the, oh, yeah. the trainer uh, does the exercises and we do it all with body weight and with um, power bands. Nice. But actually, also for me, I'm really lucky that I, because it's a crucial time for me um, in my rehab, I get to go in the mornings um, into the club and I work one-on-one with um, our strength trainer okay. um, to get me to get me fit and to be able to play again when the when the team comes back into training. So I get to spend an hour on the pitch with him each morning. So for me, um, it's quite it's quite a good and uh, lucky for me to be able to do that, um, and I'm really grateful that I can do. Would this. Would you say uh, I know no one can prepare? for such an event like this, but obviously we're going to get stuck into, you know, your, your injury past a little bit, but would you say you've prepared a little bit for what it's like to have to be away from the main playing group and have to go through things you don't necessarily want to? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, uh, said it a little bit to some teammates. It's kind of like everyone is experiencing being injured and having to stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've just just gone through that and now everyone else is having to to realize how much it actually sucks to be away from from the team and playing football. Mm. So like mentally sort of how do you get through an injury because we see so many huge players and, and huge stars in the world go through injuries similar to yours and like just from behind the scenes sort of aspect how do you get through being away for such a huge amount of playing time? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, so for my injury, I broke uh, a bone in my foot and had to have surgery on it. And I actually did this in um, 2018. 
in November 2018, and then I <clears throat> redid the same injury uh, in November 2019. And the first time I did it, it was very difficult. Um, is the I've never been injured longer than maybe three weeks, so to get the news is is very very tough mentally. Mm-hmm. But honestly. I had a very good support system around me. I had some really close friends um, that could still keep me company and keep my mind off the fact that I can't play football and also having my family right next to me to help me um, was very crucial to me. And I kind of looked at it as um, a blessing in disguise. I was able to work on so many off-the-field things in this time that I could not necessarily do while I was playing. Um, so I just tried to make the most of that. Nice. Plenty, Plenty of FIFA, FIFA or? <laughs> I, honestly, I'm I'm not so good at FIFA, so I was more <laughs> I was more into Fortnite. Oh, oh of course. Fair enough, mate. Join the club. I'm pretty sure. I'm just steering back a little bit, sort of where it all started. I was watching an interview with yourself. Uh, from maybe about 12 months ago now, and you spoke about how you know you have fond memories of kicking the ball around just at your local club uh, with your cousins and the rest of your family. Uh, you, you even spoke, said to us in, in the messages initiating this interview that you, you're a big uh, Man United fan and you watched watched games with your, your grandfather and your father. Um, like, where did the love for football start? Was it all family based, or was there any other you know kids at school? How did you just fall in love with the round ball game? Well, of course, my whole my whole family was involved in football, um, so it was always going to be starting off playing football when I was young. I also played a couple of other sports. Um, I played baseball because my dad also played when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But I just love football. Like I don't know. I have my mum told me stories about how I was sleeping with a football when I was a baby. You know, just <laughs> it was always around, and I just loved it so much. It's never it's never felt like like I've had to do it, you know. It's always been I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so then I guess spurring on for that as well. So how did you fall in like how did you fall in love with Manchester United as well? Yeah, also it started off with my grandfather and my father being big supporters. I don't necessarily remember a specific time when I was younger. I just remember seeing lots of photos of me wearing the Manchester United jersey when I was when I was a little boy. And it's just I've, I uh, I used to get up in the middle of the night with my dad uh, to watch the Premier League games because I know it's it's tough back in Australia to watch these uh, these yeah. games in the middle of the night. Mate, it's so rough. It's so rough. It was a it was a big positive when I moved to Europe. It made it so much easier to watch these games. It was just in the. In the <laughs> so you went to your first game, I believe it was um, Everton versus Manchester United, um, and it was a one-all draw. How how did you find the atmosphere at Old Trafford? It was. Honestly, it was not uh, such an exciting game, but still the atmosphere and the fans made it enjoyable to watch. I think at, at some stages I was, my eyes were fixed on watching the, the stadium um, and outside the stadium there's so many people and it's really a big difference when, when you watch an A-League game to watching such a big game in, in Manchester. For sure. You obviously grew up in Australia, watched Premier League games, and then uh, you went to the Netherlands uh, and played in the Eredivisie there. Does uh, and then now you're at Wolfsburg. Just 
I mean, I, I, I'm guessing the answer you could give could go for hours if if you wanted to, but just roughly or vaguely, how does how does it all dif- differ from Australian football to Dutch football to German football and even watching English football? Oh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, for me personally, uh, along my journey so far, it's just you can take away different... Um, different aspects of the game and different you can learn different things at each stage um in australia it was i was a lot younger then and i was just learning as much as i could of my coaches um i um i had a uh, you might you might know david's Rilich. yeah he yep, was um yep. our assistant coach at the youth team at sydney fd and to have him as an ex uh, soccer striker um teaching me all that he's learned was very vital at that time and I still use uh, everything that he's taught me now but uh, I found that in Australia we I mean at Sydney we we worked a lot on getting the team to work together well Um, that was a very big thing for us Mm -hmm. and I noticed when I moved uh, to the Netherlands at the stage that I was at it's it was a lot about the individual development there it was about getting the players ready to move to the first team or to get sold or something like this. We, we didn't necessarily play as well as a team, but the players were improving uh, at a significantly higher rate, I think, than they would be in Australia. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, and then when I moved to Germany, it was kind of like both of them combined together. Um, I'm playing in the second team here in, in Wolfsburg at the moment, and... We are pushing for promotion into the third league of Germany. So, of course, you have very high high quality players around you, and it is it's important to play well as a team as well. But it's I've yeah. also found just to add on to that, it's very physical in Germany compared to both Australia and the Netherlands. Um, and just like I guess looking at your goal scoring records for um, for both Wolfsburg. Um, and in the Netherlands as well, you have like obviously really impressive records that justifies where you are now. Um, but I guess looking, you know, where you are and you're you're only five points off the top um, with Wolfsburg and, and closing in on promotion as well. Where do you envision your next step for your career to be? Um, is it to stay in Germany or is it just to look for a bigger club, a bigger move? Um, like, where what's sort of your vision for your football career? It's, it's hard to say really in football because so many things can change so quickly. Um, personally, for me, it's hard coming off this injury. For next season, I would want to be um, pushing with the, the first team here in Wolfsburg. Of course, this is mm-hmm. my, main, my main priority. Um, if not, or at the end of the, the next season, I'd be wanting to go to a first team somewhere uh, in Europe. That's... Uh, a very important thing for me um, is to now get into the the first team environment more than I am. Um, but of course, in in years to come, I've always had the goal to end and play for Manchester United. Oh, of, of course. But, um, do you do you get a do you get a lot of exposure to the first team at Wolfsburg? Like whether it be like training sessions or just team meeting stuff like that. Um. You do. Like I've had, unfortunately for me, it's, it hasn't worked out. Like I have, I've gone with national team camps, uh, for the, uh, with Australia. And this is when some of my teammates get the opportunity to go with the first team. 
Oh, um, yep. And then I got injured and I didn't end up going with them on their um, their preseason or the the January preseason camp uh, with them. So it's been a bit of a delay uh, with with my with myself, but I know that uh, starting into the next season, I'll have plenty of opportunities to to show them what I have. Of course. Do Do you think you'd ever like? I look at someone like Mbabu, Kevin Mbabu, who's obviously had got experience at Newcastle United in England. Would you ever or do have you ever asked him about what it's like over there or is that just something that hasn't really come up yet? No, I haven't I haven't got to to talk to, to these players yet much. Um but I did I did get to have co- uh, some small conversations like that um in my old club in the Netherlands. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh so like looking at obviously the COVID nineteen situation, um, and the Oli Roos um, qu- uh, qualified for the Tokyo Olympics as well. Now it's probably going to be pushed back to twenty twenty one. Where do you see yourself come twenty twenty one and yourself in the Oli Roos squad? I will always uh, work as hard as possible to to be in these type of squads because it's especially with the Olympics, it's a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity, and. I was cheering the boys on as they qualified and I was super proud of, of their efforts and what they have achieved. I will, um, it was going to be tough for me being honest, um, to get fully fit and to be able to have the best chance to go this year. But I think now that the, that the Olympics will be in 2021, I have more than enough time to be ready and, I, I just I have a, I know that if I am playing and scoring goals, I have the the best opportunity to be in the squad, and I'll do everything I can to be there. Cool. Would you say this? Oh, oh, sorry, no. sorry. Would you? Uh, I was just going to say you've sort of said that you know obviously not ideal circumstances, but in a way, the Olympics being pushed back helps you personally. Is that conversations that players have with each other as well? Is it like, oh, you know, lucky that you know, we've been pushed back because I wasn't going to be ready for, you know, a big game coming up in, say, a month's time or whatever that might be? Or is it is everyone just missing football in general? Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's more that we're just missing football in general. Sometimes it comes up like, yeah, <clears throat> I, um, it helps. I get to play more games and all these type of things, but it's not something that we really, like, text each other or call each other straight away and, and, and talk about that stuff. Fair. So, uh, just sort of looking at, you know, like you mentioned before, fighting for your place um, in the Oli Roos squad. Like, sort of what's the dynamic in, in a national team squad where you have so many players coming from different backgrounds and different teams around the globe and they come to make, you know, one uniform team? Is the competition for places um, harder or do you reckon it's it's similar to, compared to that um, training for club compared to training for country? Yeah. Uh- it's a difficult one. I mean, you always have um, select players, really, that in, in a club you have always the signed players and that's who you need to fight between for positions. With the national team, you know, you can you can have players that uh, come out of nowhere because they've they're found their form or they've signed for a club that's giving them um, opportunity. <clears throat> so, really, you just have to be on top of your game Every every day, every every month, every time the the national team comes around. But um, like like for example, uh, Toure came in in late with the national team. It was his first camp just before the the um, Olympic qualifiers, and then he he got the the start the number nine jersey in the 
in the tournament and he had a great a great tournament. It's just you have to be ready yourself um, to give yourself the best possible chance to be um, to be playing. Is that a reason why you went to Germany? Obviously, Australia has a decent uh, history when it comes to players going to Germany and playing in the Bundesliga. Is that why you um, chose Germany as your next move? Um, well, for me, I was I was coming off the injury, as you know, at the end of yep. the season. So I hadn't. I've, I only played, um, unfortunately, about five five or six games in in yeah. the season prior to this one. So it was difficult to find the club straight away. So we were we were searching around uh, Europe, and of course Germany has a um, yeah they have they have really strong leagues here, um, and this was a, a priority to look into Germany. And um, the the move with Wolfsburg just seemed a bit surreal at the time, you know. Um, yeah. It just worked out perfectly, um, and I was, I was more than happy, more than happy to move here, and I'm I'm glad that I have made this decision. Just touching on transfers in general, um, how have you found relocating overseas? And then also, just a, a second sort of part to that question: What sort of role do does like, for example, your um, manager or your family play in the in the teams that um, you choose to go play for? Well. My my family, just to start with them, they they support me with whatever decision I'm making. Um, they they don't really uh, want to to say, hey, you have to move here or you have to do this. They just they're always there and want the best mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then really, uh, my agent he um, he's done he's helped me out uh, a lot and. He really has uh, some good contacts in Europe, and um, he he is aware of where the better places I should be looking at are. And I'm more than happy, and I'm I'm grateful for the uh, opportunities I've had in both the Netherlands and now in Germany. Um, and then with um, with relocating, especially um, the first time when I just turned 18 to the Netherlands. It was difficult at the start, but um, my my family did move with me uh, to the Netherlands, and mm-hmm. this this was huge for me because I don't think that it would have been it would have gone as well as it did if they hadn't done that. Um, we we talked with a lot of people in Australia about the fact, like about the situation of young players moving overseas and the hardest. The most uh, important thing they said is how hard it is when you you first move over. So my family planned to come for the first year, but they they loved it so much in the Netherlands that they they're still living there now. <laughs> so even at this time, when I moved to Germany, I'm I'm now living on my own, but they're still only a four-hour drive away, just across the border. You sort of already answered this question, but I was just going to ask, what would you, well, what advice would you give for any young Australian player, not necessarily just looking to go overseas, but maybe just trying to break into the A-League? I'm talking, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-olds that are really, you know, looking to increase their development in the next three to four years. What, what advice would you give them? Um, of course, the, the most important one is um, to work hard. Uh, honestly, 
the, the a quote that I live by is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So mm-hmm. really at that age, you're just loving playing and you're doing everything you can to be to move to the next level. It it does require sacrifices, I must say that as well. I sacrificed a lot when I was um, in that in that age bracket. You you need to, to have your focus on both the football and school and you have to to, to you know to give up some um, some other activities that might not necessarily be so important for your football career. Yeah. Um, but also just love it, love the game and to try and take some advice of each coach that you have, if it's if it's a lot of advice or just something small that can improve your game, that'll be a, a very, very important thing moving forward. Beautiful. Um, and just, I guess, looking back at the differences between um, Germany and the Netherlands, obviously they're, they're very different countries. Um, food wise, which one do you prefer? Like a, a pork knuckle or a traditional Dutch meals? <laughs> Honestly, I really enjoy the Dutch food. Um, of course, the German the German food is really nice as well, as I've um, just been beginning to find out. Um, <laughs> but after living in the Netherlands for two years, I, at the moment, I'm still loving the, the Dutch food more. Nice. Nice. And uh, I think this is sort of the next part of our questionnaire for our, our special guest. It's something we do for every every guest, and it's, it's the quirky questions segment. And um, we'll start off with the one that Woody particularly likes everybody to answer, so we can't give this one a miss, and that is, can you <laughs> na- name your ideal Premier League five-a-side team? And there has to be a goalkeeper in there. Okay. Of current players, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I would, I would have the the hair and goals. <laughs> nice, <laughs> straight into it. <laughs> and Pogba in my midfield. Okay, all right, um, nice. Bit of attitude, like it. Bit of money. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would also go with um, uh, Gabriel Jesus. Oh yeah, like it. Uh, he's got the skill and speed and. He can find the back of the net. Um, okay. And I'd probably go with Zaha as well. Oh, yes. I, th- I think we had another guest pick Zaha as well. He's popular, mm. popular choice. Yeah, can imagine. Uh, and just think need one more defender. Yeah. Uh, this is a difficult one. Yeah, maybe I'll, actually, I'll go with uh, Juan Bissaka. Nice. Absolute beast in Manchester United's back line at the moment. <laughs> now, I reckon you're the first guest that hasn't gone with like an out-and-out um, out and out centre-back as the defender. So I like it. Bit of versatility in the back, bit of pace. Yeah, and um, having, having Pogba and Bissaka there as well is enough defence, I think, you know? Oh, yeah, mate, that is true. That'd be an absolute saucy combination at the back. I, I'd be afraid to come up against that one. Hopefully, in a few years, we'll be picking you in our Premier League five-a-side team. Yeah, um, but <laughs> but uh, moving on, if you could have a dinner with one Premier League player, who would it be and why? Hmm. Okay. Never, never thought about this one, but if it was a few years ago, I would have said Rooney for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but now, hmm, maybe I, maybe I would go with Aguero. 
Aguero. Yeah, Aguero. I'd nice. love to get his into his knowledge of um, so many years at the top level and scoring so many goals uh, for Manchester City. I think this would be. Uh, no, uh, yeah. Just just before we, um, I guess, move on to the next question as well. Uh, uh, something that we didn't ask is how often as a kid did you try and emulate stuff that you saw on TV? Like like a goal that you saw or maybe you were watching a, a United game and you saw Rooney do something crazy or RVP do something crazy. How many times did you go out and try and practice that at training um, or in the backyard or something like that? Quite a lot, actually. I used to go <laughs> with, with some, really, some really good friends every Friday afternoon uh, to the park. Mm-hmm. And this is where we would... <laughs> this is where we'd bring out our inner, inner RVPs and Roonies and all this. Um, <laughs> but also, when I was growing up, you, I tried to to find a striker that was similar to the way I played, and just mm-hmm. to watch to watch him uh, each game. And for most of the time, it was either uh, Harry Kane or um, uh, Diego Costa uh, back in his day, or and Luis Suarez, the three the three strikers. I would just you got, watch them over and over to try and have you pick got a te- up. Have you got a temper like Luis Suarez or or like Diego Costa? <laughs> no, no, this is the thing that I'm lacking a little bit actually. <laughs> would you would you headbutt anyone if it came to it on the field? Um, no, no. I <laughs> quality, quality journalism from Woody there. All right, last one to wrap it up <laughs> is um. This one we've never actually asked this one before. So if we if we cross a line, please please say something. But um, who is the most famous person you've got in your phone contacts? And I'm guessing you'd have some pretty big names. Uh, um, well, of course I have uh, uh, Rene Mullerstein from oh, from yeah. Manchester United's uh, assistant good. coaching at Sir Alex Ferguson. Is now the assistant coach of the Socceroos. Yes. yes. Um, but players, I have um, uh, Marco Rojas. I played with him in the Netherlands. Oh, yep. And then Does I just played I for victory. I bought from the the Socceroos, so this would this would be it for me. No, I I, I was happy to take your first first answer with the assistant coach. I, I, that was good to go <laughs> for me. And Rojas was just as good. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Woody, are you happy with that? Uh, just one last question, Johnny. Um, we actually have a five-a-side futsal tournament that runs on, on Friday nights. If you ever come back to Australia, would you be willing to fill in <laughs> for us? In, in Melbourne? Yeah, <laughs> if you ever get to Melbourne. Yeah, I think if I get to Melbourne, then I could, I could do that on a Friday night. Sweet. Winner. Yes. <laughs> That's the best thing to come out of this interview. I'm so, so keen. <laughs> I'll pave your flight. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the interview. Um, believe you got to get to training, of course, soon, John. Yeah, so we don't want to keep you for too long. Um, yeah, Woody, have you got anything else to add? I, I'm still a bit starstruck, to be honest. Nah, not at all, actually. Um, I, I'm yeah, really. We were, not not to lie, John. We were actually really nervous to speak to you because you're the first um, pro athlete that we've we've spoken to. And um, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's a huge honor for us to have you and. We wish you all the best with your um, career and hopefully we can chat to you again sometime in the future. No, it was my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Sweet. Thank you. All right. I wish you guys all the best. Stay safe. Cheers, mate. Bye. Boy, Woody, I mean, 
I tell you what, we've had some pretty good interviews on this pod. Obviously, it's the number one mm. interview show, you know, in the podcast world. But for John Idale to come on and give us those insights, it was pretty spectacular. And I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I'm still shaking. I'm still shaking about how nervous I was. Yeah, I think, uh, mate, I was absolutely stoked in that. He's the first player of our Aussies Uncovered segment um, or, or series that I guess we're bringing in. And Damo, that's that's all about picking up young Aussies and young Aussie talent around the world that you know we want to sort of showcase and we want to we want to show our viewership you know who we have flying the Australian flag around the world in terms of young talent as well. Um, and then we look at the likes of Ollie Roos, John obviously part of the Ollie Roos squad as well, but he's playing his trade in Germany at the moment. And, you know, there are plenty of Aussies around the world that are in a similar situation to Johnny um, in that, you know, they've moved away from home overseas to, to, to try and make in the big leagues as well. And we have full confidence that all these young Aussies are going to make it because they're, they're from good breed, good crop. And and we want to get their story on and we want to, we want to give them a bit more exposure and make the world see that, you know, Australia got some unreal talent coming through the ranks. Yeah, for sure. And it's always worth noting that down here in Australia, our, our A-League stars get a decent amount of exposure in terms of, you know, popularity, you know, putting names to faces, all that sort of stuff. They, they are some of them household names. But um, for those who take the risk, the big risk of going overseas and, you know, trying to apply their trade, as you said, Woody, into perhaps a higher standard of competition. It is a big risk and they have to leave their families in some cases. John, of course, recently left his but had was lucky enough to have him follow to the Netherlands. We're, it's good that we... Well, I think it's good at least. We think it's good that we're giving these guys exposure and almost a little bit of a, a wave to say... Wave hello to say, yep, down here in Australia, we know who you are and we're still thinking of you and giving you our all our support. Yeah, bloody oath. And, I, and as well, I think it's worth saying that um, hopefully when Johnny listens back to this, you know, he'll realize that he's he's playing and like he's living our dream as well to go play in Europe um, and, and to be part of these big clubs. You know, these Aussie players aren't, you know, they're, they're playing with our dreams as well because we would love to be in that position. And, you know, all credit to these guys. They put in the sacrifice, put in the hard work. And, geez, you know, we, we still look up to these guys and say, hey, you know, like, we love to see you play. We want to see you grow. We want to see you absolutely make it because, you know, we, we want that and we want that for Australian players and, and we get around that as well. So, gee, you 100%. know, it, he he's living the dream where he is and hopefully he gets, no doubt he'll get to where he wants to get to and hopefully he's flying the flag. Number 10 Manchester United uh, uh, <laughs> jersey one day um, and he'll look back and go, Premier League nightclub, bang, the winners. That was uh, biggest achievement ever. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Damo, I'm right. a bit, I'm a bit nervous for this one. Cause yep. You've, you've spurred it at the start of this pod that you wanna, you wanna stick a Damo's dollars segment in. Now I'm a bit confused because there's very scarce, uh, I guess, options to bet on so far. So I'd love to see what the hell you've put together. Um, so do you, do you want to take it away? Alrighty, now. In the nightclub mini we had earlier in the week, you might have heard me mispronunciate a few a few names and a few players and Butchie. just a few words in general. But what you're about to listen to is nothing like you've nothing you've ever heard before. It is going to be terrible. It is going to be the most horrifically pronounced segment probably in podcast history. <laughs> now You're a butcher, mate. You're a butcher. 
Uh, yeah, you might as well call me the butcher for this segment because it is time for Damo's Dollars. Show me the money. All right, Woodra, you still don't understand what on earth I'm about to do. But first up, we are going to head into the Nicaraguan Under-20 League. And it's the first game between <laughs> Dirian Jen under 20 versus CD Walter Ferretti. Now, Walter Ferretti sounds like a guy that you do not want to give 20 bucks to because you ain't getting it back. Okay. So I figured with that in mind, he's a scary bloke. The opposition won't like it. So I reckon at $1.40, there's value. I like it. $1.40. Heading Go over. Say. Go say. Walter Ferretti sounds like the Italian bloke on the corner you'd buy his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we're heading to the Belarusian League. Now, this one's been actually got a little bit of publicity because it's probably one of the most or the only professional football league still playing. So, thought can't miss this. I want a I want a piece of this. Let's have a look at their odds. And we've found Vite Besk versus FC Smolovinci STI. Yes, that's right, STI. Well, we reckon it's a tight match between these two, so I'm going to call it a draw at 288. Next up, Dynamo Minsk. I reckon they're going to get the win over the Torpedo Bell As. Torpedo, strong name, but I like the look of Minsk. I like it. $1.91, there's value there. Now, this is where it gets real saucy. Unfortunately, the betting specific betting company that I was looking at don't offer weather odds after 24 hours. But you see what you know what I reckon that's because of? Because they're scared that Damo's dollars and the followers are gonna steal their money. Because I am telling you, at a dollar ninety, whatever the line is, at eleven AM Saturday in Melbourne, you take it. Put your money on it. Go higher. Go higher than the line at eleven AM on Saturday. So probably about middle of Friday afternoon. If you've finished up your weekly working from home duties, get your phone out. Put your money above the line at 11 a.m. Saturday weather in Melbourne. Lock it in. So put it in perspective. Unfortunately, this can't be put in a multi because it crosses over in terms of weather and and football. But if you chuck 20 bucks on and just keep rolling with it, you'll end up with $292 at the end of the fourth leg. Guaranteed, we are home with this multi. I'm telling you. (laughs) I am telling you. And and obviously, as I mentioned at the start of the pod, we've still got that open multi from uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Premier League. And obviously, that's going to come home. So once everyone's out of isolation, you're going to have money to spend. So put this on. Lock it in. Especially if you've been laid off. If you've been laid off, do it. If you've been laid off, don't stick a 20. Yeah. Stick a 100 on it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Damo, I like, I like your areas, mate. I'm, I'm impressed with this one. And you pulled it out of your ass. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you pronounced Nicaraguan under twenties Nicaragua, um, so you screwed that up a little bit. And I, but I do agree, the weather bet is really, really a good bet because here, right, in, here in Melbourne, call, the sun we, is still hot. The sun is still exactly. Hot. We we call Saturdays saucepan Saturdays because no matter what, it heats up, and no matter what, it's heating up. So I think you've done well with your bet. Um, and I'm 100% going to collect my $292 when this weather um, is done come 11 a.m. Saturday. Gee whiz, Damo, we're going to have a lot of money to, <laughs> to put into the podcast once uh, all your bets come off, don't we? 
Obviously, Matt, I think we're looking at about $500 return with all the money we've put on once these bets conclude. So I'm keen for that. But until then, Woody, I reckon this one wraps is wrapped up. Uh, if they want to hit us up on the socials, where can they find us? You can find us on Insta at Premier League Nightclub. And Damo, where can you find us on the Twitter? You can find us on the Twitter at PL Nightclub. Also, search us on Facebook if you're a Facebook type of guy. And also, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave a review, whatever, wherever you listen to the pod. It helps us a heap. And to be honest with you, makes us feel good inside when we know people are engaging with it. And also, engage with us on the socials, of course. Uh, if you message us, if you have an opinion on something, there is a 99% chance we will talk about it and mention you on the pod. So, you know, if there's something on your mind that you want us to talk about or something on your mind that you're passionate about, let us know and we will be your voice and we will give you a voice. So, Woody, are we happy to wrap this one up now? Mate, we're completely happy to wrap it up. And for what it's worth, Damo, if you're at home bored and you're missing a Saturday night hitting the clubs in Melbourne or wherever you're situated, in England, in Italy, you've got four hours up your sleeve or six hours up your sleeve, go binge six or seven episodes of the Premier League nightclub. It's just as good, if not better. Seriously. Mate, 100%. 100%. I mean, even if you wanted to, just keep replaying the winners and losers sounds through your oh. speakers. Oh, 100%. But in fact, worst case scenario. Plus, you get a bit of football content either side of it. Can't go wrong. Mm. Alrighty, Woody. I'm out of here. It's late. It's been a big day. I, uh, I'll see you next week for a Nightclub Mini Episode 3, which we don't know what it'll be about, but make sure it'll be all over those socials. All right, Damo. Thank you very much. Guys, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you for booking out the Premier League Nightclub. See you next week. Episode Mini Ep 3. See ya. See ya.